a hearty shlancha, friends. Welcome to the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show on a grand and glorious day in the best little city in America on the eve of St. Patrick's Day and our annual celebration this year on the actual St. Patrick's Day, which is tomorrow. We'll spend the next couple hours here engaged in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics, business and economics, science and nature, and we'll play Irish music. Yes, it's true. Irish music, traditional Irish music, some modern Irish music here on The Patrick Lally Show. I know you're shocked by that. Uber producer Dan Peters is not shocked. In fact, he is here to keep you updated on the latest news and weather, as you heard at the top of the hour. Thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio. Maybe out driving around, getting ready for this little this little dust-up. No big deal. Uh, you're streamed live maybe on KSO.com or on the KSO mobile app. That fantastic new branded app. Go to, K- go to any of the app stores. Search for KSO. You'll find it. Get it because you can get one-touch streaming. You can get news and weather and updates from the staff here at KSOO and our friends in Results Radio. Also, push notifications. Dan Peters' favorite part of the app, the push notifications. And remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live, as people are doing right now, and chat with us there. Or through our Twitter account, at P. Lally Show, we do the social media. And I know you don't want to get into a big controversy right off the bat. I don't. To in this Patrick Lally Show setting. Okay. Yeah. But I found the the YouTube where they have the the whoever speaks and they have the pronunciations of certain words. Oh, slancha, slancha, slancha. They say slancha. Do it again. Slancha, slancha. Because I've always heard it say slancha. Slancha, slancha. That's because people have usually had a little bit of the of the mother's milk. Yeah, and I and I think that that's probably an Americanization yeah, that's true. of of that. So I I would I would go for more the schlantia. Schlantia. Thank you, Dan. Well, there you go. There's a little uh, uh, Gaelic lesson for you here on the eve of St. Patrick's Day. Of course, schlantia means cheers. In I think Gaelic, straight up Gaelic. Yeah, I think that would be the Gaelic. Yeah. So there you go. We're all very excited about the parade now. Uh, don't be afraid of this weather report, people. Do not be afraid. This is not going to temper the enthusiasm of the parade by any measure. Let's just get that out there. Uh, also, uh, what was I? What did? What was the forecast from the the KSFY Severe Weather Center? So we're supposed to have the snow and freezing rain about two a.m. and then mm-hmm. freezing drizzle two to three a.m. and then chance of freezing drizzle after three a.m. And about ice accumulation, more than the snow now. Yeah, because it's like two inches of snow, and it's going to be in the high 30s by the time the parade hits. It's going to be fine. might be a little soggy, but it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Come on down. I'm actually not going to believe anything until I get up in the morning at this point. But, uh, you know, ice accumulation isn't a good thing. You remember the uh, ice apocalypse we had? Remember that? When was that? That's probably five eight years ago now maybe we had that it was in april though we had a big ice storm and all the trees fell down yeah i remember because that was oh i think that was actually it was not that long ago i think it was 2014 when that happened really that could be i you know dan i lose track of time but that was that was ice accumulation man that was about the worst i've ever seen 
in this part of the country. Um, but so don't, you know, don't worry about that. Ooh, 2013. 2013. You were yep. close, man. 2013. Nice work. I would have, I, I may have shot all the way back to like 10, but I would have been wrong. Uh, my prediction here is uh, that the rain will make the two inches seem like less and it's going to be wet and a little slippery in the morning. Um, you know, maybe you maybe wait to get out and start your frivolity till, you know, noon or so. Uh, but that that's my prediction. You heard it here. I'm standing by it. We'll still see you all downtown. Uh, also, I should mention, we talked about the, uh, we were talking about the college basketball last night or yesterday. And uh, before we went off the air, I didn't get a chance to update the score. Uh, as many, as you probably all know by now, SDSU lost to Ohio State. It was close, you know, but there you go. USD men lost horribly to North Texas in uh, some, just it was uh, whatever CBI, SUBUTDW tournament that was. Yeah, it that was, was yeah. ridiculous, and they lost. Uh, the USD women, however, won their first-round game against Houston, and they'll play Colorado State down in Vermilion, so that'll be cool. Uh, SDSU women play tonight against Villanova and in South Bend, and they got a chance to win that game. Yeah, they're the higher-seeded team yeah. in the draw there, and <laughs> you know it's one of those things where they have earned some street cred mm-hmm. along the way. Well, and they've won a game in the tournament before. Yes, they have, and actually should have won two. Yeah, but they blew it. They did blow it. They could have made it to the round of sixteen. But really, and it would have rubbed it right in the face of Baylor, which yeah. I would have enjoyed immensely. But they ah. So they play Villanova, and I don't know who they'd get if they win in the second game. But no, I have not looked at the women's bracket faithfully. We'll we'll pay attention to that when it happens. So that game's on tonight uh, on ESPN two. Um, Here's what I'm taking out of this. We, uh, we're maybe better at women's basketball than we are at men's basketball. <laughs> maybe. That could be, a, could be an issue. We have good women's teams. We'll see how far the USD women go in the WNIT. They won that bad boy a couple years ago, so there you have it. Uh, so that's what, I, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to in the basketball world. Hey, we've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Jim Whitcomb. He is with the South Dakota Small Business Development Center. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff related to business and small business and workforce development. Huge issues for us here in Sioux Falls. The smart cyclist Michael Christensen will be here for Weird Friends. Uh, We've got some more, uh, like, growth. Growth. He's still coming off his uh, high of uh, being on the panel with Charles Marone of Strong Towns, and so he's got a lot to say about that. Thea Miller-Ryan of the Outdoor Campus will be here for her weekly visit, and we're going to chat with a gentleman, Drew Davis, from the University of South Dakota uh, Biology Department down there, and he's uh, he knows all about snakes. Oh, yeah. There. Now, this is from the group called Schlantia. There you go. Well, they're local, Schlantia. There right? you go. Yeah, I uh, I did a story about them. Not so long ago. They're awesome. Love those guys. Uh, and they're playing around town, I know. You can probably catch Slantia at different places. This no wait, this is a different this is a different band. Yeah, it is. Yeah. There's a local band called Slantia. So there you go. Yeah, Same they add on. a little bit of the of the heavy guitar. Yeah, to their there you mix. go. And I will have a PL statement just after the break. Today's topic uh, downtown. Downtown development. The big news out of Sioux Steel. That's all coming up next on a very special St. Patrick's Day Eve edition of the Patrick Lally Show. We'll be right back on Information 1000 KSOO. 
318 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. We're going to get a little closer to free here on the PL statement today with the Bodines. And I've been looking through the news, looking around, lots going on out in Washington with the president and uh, Robert Mueller and bunch more indictments coming down but we're gonna let that pass on a beautiful friday afternoon here in sioux falls because you know i haven't had a chance to talk about this since the big announcement came out earlier this week about uh sioux steel and if you have been down to falls park at any time in your life you know sioux steel is sits right on the banks of the big sioux river uh, right above the falls there on the west side of the river and they've been there a hundred years and so as that area has changed and developed, they've still been there. Well, you know, things are changing downtown and, and Sioux Steel is right buttressed up against Falls Park West and the Levitt Park, the Levitt Pavilion there. And uh, so they announced not so long ago this week that they are going to move out of there and redevelop that site, and which is pretty exciting news. Uh, and they're going to hold meetings and this is kind of the interesting thing. They're taking public input on what to do with the land, which is kind of a twist. And uh, that first meeting is coming up next Thursday, March 22nd at 4.30, ending at 7 at Josiah's Coffee House and Cafe, the new Josiah's on 12th Street, just off Phillips Avenue. And if you haven't been there yet, that place is awesome. And there'll be a presentation at 5.30 where they'll offer, uh, there'll be other meetings and uh Construction could start next spring, according to the company. Uh, I'm reading from Jody Schwann's story at SiouxFalls.Business, our friend Jody. Uh, they had a big tour out there yesterday and uh, announced these meetings and uh, took some people through. And so there's some stories coming out, including one from Jody. This actually might have been two days ago. I don't remember. Anyway, they, uh, uh, yeah, the media tour was yesterday. President and CEO Scott Risden walked the site and explained how redevelopment is planned to start in the northern one-third of the nearly 11-acre property. That's the part closest to Falls Park. That will stretch from Phillips Avenue across the street from uptown to the upper falls of Falls Park on the east and additional parkland to the north. Um, this is unique because it's surrounded by a park, Risen said. Being landlocked means we'll have to play well with everyone in the neighborhood to create a holistic, destin- as holistic a destination as we can. So that's why they're taking all the public input, and that's interesting. So, as I said, we've been waiting for this news for a long time. It's always been thought that they would move out of there. Uh, I just didn't know when. It's been clear for years that they would uh, have to leave that spot. Uh, Though, you know, they don't necessarily have to. It's privately owned. This is not only a prime location for development. You know, it's also a historic site. Uh, A lot of people know this, but not everybody. It's where Saney Island once was in the middle of the Big Sioux there, uh, where ba- where Sioux Steel is now. Um, that was a spot that uh, residents would go for picnics and weekend getaways. 
you know, it was a recreational center just above the falls at the turn of the 19th century before Sioux Steel went in there, uh, well before. Then industrial development came, of course, and the falls uh, took over and much of the area around there, and it was turned into manufacturing and other gritty businesses. Uh, with years-long conclusion of the Phillips to the Falls, the area is, again, of course, green space and mixed-use urban development apartments and lofts and all that, and we've been hearing a lot about that lately with the noise ordinance issues. It's been a long road back. Uh, I'm old enough to remember Pitt Salvage Yard, where uh, the street now is, Phillips to the Falls, and where Levitt Pavilion will soon host these outdoor concerts. That's under construction now. If you go down there, you'll see it. And there's another big hole in the ground where another mixed-use apartment and, and retail space is going in. When the entire Falls Park neighborhood back in the day was a collection of ramshackle buildings and bums curled up in the corners on a Sunday morning, uh, it's a miraculous transformation for sure, and it started a long time ago. That's why this moment is so important. Sioux Steel is a private business that has quietly operated on that site for since, since 1918. The company has taken steps to mitigate the visual and sensory effect on that area, covering much of it with those uh, kind of tent-looking uh, shelters where they store steel and equipment and such. And, uh, you know, they've generally kept a pretty tidy place. There's a really cool entrance to Sioux Steel off of 6th Street that's kind of an alleyway, and you see a big sign in there that's kind of the entry to it that kind of keeps it out of the public view. Um, that's been much appreciated by folks who enjoy taking in the falls that they took those steps, but it's still a, a steel yard. They make, they manufacture uh, feeding tanks and things, watering tanks for agriculture and other things. Um, now they need to decide what to do. According to Jody at SiouxFalls.Business, the company will maintain ownership of the land and guide the next phase of the development on the site. In this case, I believe that to be a good thing. Um, I wouldn't say that about every private entity in the community, but Sioux Steel president Scott Risden, as we mentioned, says they will, the first phase of the project is envisioned to include development along the river to tie in with other nearby park and greenway improvements, according to Jody. His quote, there will be greenway development and walking and biking development and, you have, and you'd have a great view of the falls. I think that's a wonderful to hear. It means Sioux Steel has an interest in the legacy of their company in downtown for decades to come. There are some great elements of that site that I hope they'll maintain. That warehouse uh, that buttresses up against uh, the Falls Park West there is very cool. So is the old signage. I mean, it, it could be incorporated in, and, you know, I hope it will be. And it, it will be another destination point for our blooming downtown. I'm, I'm really fascinated to see what ideas come out of this process. As I said, they're taking public input. I think that's impressive for a private company. And they seem to be trying to make the best decisions for the community. And, you know, um, you hope that's what happens in these instances, but there's no guarantee about it. Uh, and I am really excited about the future of that area because it just creates that massive Central Park feel. And uh, it's an ex as exciting place to be right now. And that's very good news for our downtown. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can't agree or disagree with me, although who could disagree with that? 
That's it's good news, people. Good news. Good good news. Good news. Good news. Uh, coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to talk with the smart cyclist Michael Christensen about growth and development in a different sort. That's all coming up on Information 1000 KSOO. Hey, whiskey or the devil, you laden me astray over hills and mountains and to America. Yes, we are stronger days and are a spunky undertake. Oh, whiskey, oh, me love and drunk or sober. 3.34 on the Patrick Lally Show, and we're here with Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist for the Weird Friends segment. And, uh, of course, that's... Whiskey or the Devil by the Clancy Brothers. Wait a minute. Here we go. Oh, that's awesome. Um, one of the greatest songs. One of the greatest uh, Irish drinking songs there is. Whiskey and the Whiskey or the Devil. Hey, uh, also an old um, um, Brass Holes tune. I love the Brass Holes. Michael, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, say, we're, are you... Do you have plans for tomorrow? Are you going to go down to the parade? I don't have plans to go down to the parade tomorrow. Are you typically a parade guy? I am frequently a parade participant, oh, but that's, that's right. not We've happening. ridden in the parade yes. before. Yeah. Well, we're not doing that this year. Right. That's, that's okay. One of my favorite parades was when I got handed a four-pack of cupcakes from one of the cupcake shops <laughs> that was downtown. <laughs> that's a parade. So that kept me going back a few years. <laughs> yeah. So last week when you were here, uh, you, were just, you were still riding the high of being on the panel, Downtown Sioux Falls sponsored panel with uh, Charles Marone. Yes. Uh, the, the Strong Towns guy. The Strong Towns guy. And we talked about uh, you know how 25 years down the road, the, the bill's going to come due. And right? that we should, we should pay attention to what Charles says about being resilient and, and how to develop resiliently, yeah. Yeah. So my question is, for you, the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen, uh, 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 aficionado of, of of development and urban issues and planning, what what can we do now? That's well, twenty five years ago. What do we do now? Aficionado, I play one on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Um, so yeah, does it matter now? And I was thinking about that and contemplating that, and and I was remembering that that occasionally now we face some serious issues. Um, a few years ago, we lost our federal money to have a bus system, a transit system. And so, oh, no, hem and haw, what are we going to do about that? Why did we lose our federal money? Just because everybody lost federal money? Yeah, national yeah. politics. Yeah, National politics affected our ability to have a bus service. Um, it hasn't changed much, which is a little bit confounding to me right now, but <laughs> there are some people who definitely experienced change. We, we uh, retracted some of our services of the paratransit, mm -hmm. which the paratransit is the ones that um, are not fixed routes. They go and pick people up. Yep. And federal requirements are you, if you have a fixed route, you have to do paratransit within, I don't know, half a mile or a mile of that fixed route. Mm -hmm. And we were going farther. And we were going farther. So we were exceeding the federal government's expectations. As we should. As we should. <laughs> well, well, yeah, you talk about valuing, you know, you valuing people and, and providing service. And, yeah, we were exceeding that. And, but without the federal money, the federal dollars for that, we, we cut back. We said, well, we can't go that far out. And some people's lives were changed by that. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
so yeah, while last week we were talking about oh, 25 years in the future, we might have a big bill to pay. Well, we have big bills to pay now. And so let's take a look at that tax base and that uh, that incremental development to to maximize the amount of tax dollars we get out of our property. And we have uh, uh, and, w- and what you're saying is that that be smart about what you do in terms of development, because one of the examples you gave was uh, if you tear down a bunch of build, if you tear down six properties that are paying a uh, million dollars a year in sales tax, use a rough number, not sales tax, property tax. Right. And you build, uh, in this case, a uh, fast food taco joint. Um, that's only with parking. That's only one place paying property taxes, and you actually get more money out of the older buildings from an urban development standpoint. Right. Those those densely those densely packed businesses that are on a single block give you more property tax dollars than one single place with meeting its minimum parking requirements. Right. With eighty four parking spots. Right. And that was, and his example was to the tune of sixty yeah. percent of so one million dollars for the five business block versus six hundred thousand dollars for the fast food place. And that wasn't hypothetical. That was a real world example from Brainerd or somewhere. Right. But, and and yeah, his his graph shows all these dense, densely areas with dense density of stores that prop up all the all the parking lots and single business units throughout the rest of the city by being neighborhood oriented. Being being sort of neighborhood service industry or or retailer right so prop up your five businesses by making it easier to come and more inviting to come to that neighborhood. So um, how does that affect? How does that uh, then uh, play out in terms of transportation? And, and well, yeah. So so the the double plus here is that once you if you support your dense stores and you support your your dense residences then bus service is way more convenient because at any given block, the audience, the potential customer base is, mm-hmm. is many more people can get on the bus. Um, I used to ride the bus. I, once upon a time, I, I believed in the, hey, let's build a house out in the edge of town. And so we did. And, and a bus came to 26th and Sertoma. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes it picked up one, one customer, me, and other times it didn't pick up anybody. And that whole route was like an hour and a half long. So we're talking a long trip if you wanted to get into downtown. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they finally just moved that route into the city in, further into the city, so Marion Road now, so a mile and a half closer to the core of the city, but not usable for you. But not usable for me, right? So and where be- I live, the the closest the bus comes is probably well, we've talked about that. That's it's at least two miles, right? Uh, in the southeast, if you live in the southeast quadrant out there, the closest the bus comes is Lincoln High School. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And and yeah, it's not efficient for the bus to travel blocks on blocks on blocks and go by one business here, one business there, one business there. You need that density to support your bus system. And with a bus system, your people who can't drive by choice, by medical reasons, mm-hmm. um, by income, by income, all those people are out the freedom to move around the community, the freedom to participate in, to, to build the better life of getting a job, to, to go to the arts, to go to the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Well, just to go to work. Just to go to work. And to school. Yeah. And so, and, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, there are kids in this town who take the taxi to school. That's not cost efficient. Right. For those families. Right. But they have no other option. And I think that's sometimes hard for people to believe. Like, if you're living that one particular kind of lifestyle, which is two professionals working with fairly flexible schedules and workplace uh, 
uh, situations and, you know, two cars and two kids and all that, the idea of having two parents who work maybe two jobs that are not flexible and you can't just leave if you have a sick kid um, and, you know, don't have the income, it's a much different experience. Right. And it's, and it's hard for people to imagine that. Yeah. So how do we how do we do it now though? I mean, even even talking about uh, uh, using better planning, urban planning, denser planning to uh, uh, maximize property taxes isn't going to solve our near term five year problem, which is our bus system is. There's going to be a push to restrict the bus system even further, don't you think? I can't imagine there's not, um, or or we have to. Dis- swallow the need to do it and pay $15 million a year out of our, out of the regular operating budget or something. You know what I think? I do know what you think. (laughs) (laughs) I think you'll say raise the gas tax, but my story is let's practice the resiliency, those recommendations. Um, We know additionally from, uh, we know additionally that we come under extreme pressure from sales tax fluctuations, Mm -hmm. right? So we've moved into this internet world where people get their, buy their stuff in Texas and don't pay their sales tax. Mm -hmm. And, and we restrict, we, we recognize, oh no, sales tax is not going to come in like it is. So city government, cut your budgets, figure out how to take this much out of your budgets, which I know there's an argument for, hey, that's that's efficient city government use because you're not overextending your services. But when those services are overextended and then drop back, people miss out on some services that they've been relying on. And I, I remind people of this all the time. Transportation, when you see any sort of survey of needs in the community, like real surveys of needs that are scientific uh, or at least thorough, uh, transportation's either at the top or two. Yeah. I mean, it is a huge burden on the community um, and it is only going to get worse if we continue on the path we're on. Yep. Uh, it's a great discussion. We're going to continue to have it with Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist. You know, when he when he drops by in his normal Thursday slot, he came in Friday for me, so I appreciate that. You're welcome. And you shifted me to Friday for me. Yes. We get along well. Yeah. <laughs> Our schedules work very well together. (laughs) Michael, thanks for coming in, and we'll talk to you again next week. Okay, see you later. Uh, We've got Thea Miller-Ryan coming up next from the Outdoor Campus. We're going to talk about snakes, 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 snakes. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 348 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And it's Wilco, Jesus I just like that song. So, uh, which brings us into our next guest, Thea Miller Ryan. She, of course, is the executive director of the Outdoor Campus, and we have on the phone as our expert this week, Drew Davis. He is a PhD candidate at the Department of Biology at the University of South Dakota. Mr. Ryan, thank you very much for being with us. Davis. Uh, nope. Davis. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez. I, I, I had all that build up. And it I was good. Blew it right you at tried. the end. You tried. Mr. Davis, thanks for being here. Yeah. yeah happy to be here. Um, so you are a PhD candidate in biology, but I'm told through reliable sources that you have expertise in snakes. Is this true, sir? Uh, I like to think I do. Uh, I've 
worked with snakes for quite some time and um yeah have a affinity for them and and like to know more about them how does how does one develop an affinity for snakes sir (laughs) (laughs) i'd say it started as a young child um i've just always had a fascination for them and grew up catching them uh, in texas where i'm from and uh have since you know moved to south dakota and and working with them up here as well and thea miller ryan not miller davis um (laughs) (laughs) from the outdoor campus uh, you thought it would be a good idea to have Mr. Davis on the program. Why did you think that, Thea? Well, because every time it's St. Patrick's Day, the first thing I think of is that St. Patrick uh, got all the snakes out of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I thought about snakes, I just thought about Drew and called him up. And he was like, yeah, we can talk about that. That's uh, that's the way you want to be known. Whenever I think <laughs> about snakes, I think about Drew. Exactly. <laughs> so tell me, Drew, uh, what... You know, what kind of snakes do we actually... We all know about the garter, the common garter snake, right? But <laughs> sure. what else do we got around here? Yeah, so there's actually uh, two species of garter snakes that uh, you can find around Sioux Falls and in that area of South Dakota, in southeastern South Dakota. One's a common garter snake, uh, and that's pretty easy to discern if you get close enough to it <laughs> by the presence of red between the stripes. Mm. Uh, the other species that's probably a little bit more common in who falls is something called the plains garter snake, which lacks that red. Um, so there are subtle differences between the two species, but you have to kind of have one in hand and count scales. Uh, and most people aren't going to be willing to do that. <laughs> no. So, um, but uh, yeah, the garter snakes are, are certainly probably the most abundant and frequently encountered. Um, they do well in sort of residential and suburbs. Uh, they eat lots of earthworms things in your gardens. Um, so they're certainly good to have around. But uh, other ones we can get are, uh, the largest one we can get probably is a western fox snake. And it's a big constricting snake that eats rodents and mice and eggs and birds. Um, so if you have an old farm and things like that, you've probably seen them. They don't get too much far further north in Sioux Falls, so they're kind of restricted to that southeast corner of the state. But uh, they're probably the biggest, but there's also several other smaller um, snakes that are found within that southeastern corner of South Dakota and things like a ringneck snake, which are really beautiful snakes. Uh, they have a yellow collar right behind their head. They are but if you look at their I undersides, agree. yeah, their undersides are bright yellow, uh, but then transition to red underneath the tail. So uh, I have not stunning. seen these snakes. Wait, now, what they're is that snake little. called? That's called a ringnecked snake. Ringnecked so. snake. Yeah, okay. and it's and it's just gray on top, and so I mean, if you saw it slithering through the grass or under something in your yard, you would just see a gray snake with a little yellow collar. But sometimes they'll they'll show those colors on their belly to be frightening or to to lure predatory strikes to the tail away from the head. Mm. Yeah, uh, so look at me, I'm fascinating. S- look <laughs> yeah, at my exactly. belly. I have a scary <laughs> belly. That's very. That's yeah. a great defense tactic, there, snake. Uh, so um, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, we also get some other ones that are, and those are pretty uncommon, um, but you do get them along the Big Sioux River, um, and so you can find them at places like Arrowhead Park and things. But um, you get red-bellied snakes, which, again, are aptly named because they're kind of just a brown or gray snake, but their bellies are bright red. They're just solid red, so they don't have a yellow um, portion to it. Um, And then our state, one of our, our own state endangered snake is called the line snake, um, and it can be found uh, around Sioux Falls as well. 
So there's there's localities of them in the Cactus Hills area along the Big Sioux, sort of between Sioux Falls and Brandon. So have you been up here they like look, uh, pawing around looking for these snakes? Is that <laughs> I I have yeah I've spent a lot of time and that's one of the things I love doing in my pastime is just getting outdoors and hiking around and um, just seeing what I stumble across. I'm not going to find snakes sitting at my office. So no, <laughs> um, when it's warm out, I certainly just get start getting the the itch to get outside and. Yeah, see what I see. Hey, Drew, tell tell Patrick and our listeners about what a hibernaculum is. This just sure. fascinates me. Yeah, so hibernacula is uh, simply a, a spot or a location where snakes often congregate to overwinter. So none of our snakes in South Dakota are are freeze tolerant. So that means if they're out and it's freezing dreary weather, if their body temperature gets to thirty two, they're going to die. So they have to overwinter in a place that won't freeze. Um, and sort of ride out the winter until it warms up and then emerge from it. So hibernacula vary a lot, um, just kind of depending on where you are. They can be sort of rocky outcroppings where there's fissures in the rock that allow the snakes to kind of get deep enough into the uh, rock crevices or the, or, the, or the soil to avoid the freezing temperatures. Um, rodent burrows do a good job for it. So um, out west where there's prairie dog towns, they'll overwinter in these big, you know, kind of systems of mammal burrows and avoid freezing temperatures in that capacity. So, oh, man. And a lot, but, of our, yeah, a lot of our snakes are limited in their distribution in South Dakota simply because there's just no hibernacula. So if uh, there's no place to overwinter, you're not going to have those snakes. Good. No, I mean, that's terrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Drew uh, Davis, you're a Ph.D. candidate at the Department of Biology, University of South Dakota. Thanks for filling us in, and we'll be looking for all those snakes out there, man. That's cool. Yeah, happy to do so. Thanks, Drew. It's good to talk to you. Let's- Indeed. We'll uh, get together soon, and, and uh, let's look for some turtles this this spring. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. All right. And Thea Miller-Ryan, right. she's uh, executive director of the Outdoor Campus. Thea, uh, thanks for the uh, bringing Drew to our attention here. That was fun. He's he's awesome. He has a lot more stories to tell, too. Well, we'll have to bring him back next we week. We will. All we'll right. bring him back. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to talk uh, with uh, – Phil Schreck from KSFY Severe Weather Center and then Jim Whitcomb of the South Dakota Small Business uh, Center. So stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show. Hey, tomorrow is also the... uh, Centennial pause to celebrate, 6 to 11 at the Hilton Garden Inn. It's our fundraiser for the Humane Society. You're going to want to be there. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Phil Shrek of the Severe Weather Center. Stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSLL. Four fifteen on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSLL. I was born in the Dublin street where the loyal runs do be And the loving English people walked all over us And every single night when the town would come home tight He'd invite the neighbors out with his chorus Come out, you black and tans, come out and fight me like a man Show your wife how you won medals down in Flanders Tell her how the IRA And uh, we a uh, little extended version of Come Out You Black and Tans. Because tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day, and we're just going to keep doing it, dang it. We get to keep listening to Irish music. 
And we now have in the studio listening to Irish music with me, Jim Whitcomb. And uh, Jim is a business advisor with the South Dakota Small Business Development Center. And uh, we've been trying to get Jim on the program for a while, and we finally got our schedules lined up. You just happen to be here on St. Patrick's Day Eve, Jim. So thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks for having me, Pat. We've been trying to do this for two months, but by golly, we got her done. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, and you've come on a perfect time. Um, first of all, you, you going downtown tomorrow? You, are you a parade guy, or uh, how's that work for you? You know, uh, no, we have some... Uh, I have a lake cabin, and we had a little tornado damage. Oh no! This last fall, so we get to kind of plan on how we're going to put that back together tomorrow. Good times, yeah. good times. Um, so you th- tell us first of all, uh, what is the South Dakota Small Business Development Center? Well, um, I have been there for about nine months, and what I've figured out that it's probably the best kept secret in Sioux Falls. <laughs> uh, I owned and operated a, a business here in Sioux Falls for 30 years, and I never knew about this place. Um, the way that I did come to know it is there was a gal that works out there in uh, the uh, Procurement Technical Assistance Center, and what they teach you how to do is do business with the government. And she happened to walk into my store. Uh, I used to own Sun and Fun Specialty Sports, and she had a deal lined up with Ellsworth Air Force Base, and she wanted to know, uh, um, Jim, would you like to sell some snowboard equipment to Ellsworth Air Force Base? And I said, well, ab- absolutely. How do, how do I do it? <laughs> yeah. Well, she ended up uh, uh, getting me lined up, and I ended up uh, doing large volume of government contracts, um, selling snow skis to the Air Force all around the country. And that's just one of the compartments out there. Now, what... Our department does is uh, uh, people want to start a business. They want to uh, maybe buy an existing business. They're not sure how to go about it. Um, They're not sure how to get financing packages put together. So they come in and, uh, you know, with their idea, we'll uh, uh, kind of vet them for the bank. Uh, Typically the way these things work is they're not sure where to go first, and and they go to the bank first. Um, But most of the time these guys may not have a – uh, business plan ready for the bank and you know they're they're pretty much unprepared and the bank sends them off to us so we help prepare them so the next time they go back to the bank they have a legitimate argument and you know they're prepared to visit with a bank um to i mean down to just asking them the questions that the bank is going to ask them. sure so everything's not a surprise that sort of thing well exactly and but people uh, you know that they, they haven't really got their financial picture um, put together yet. Uh, they don't know that, uh, you know, they may be looking at a business, looks like it, it, it's been earning a certain amount of money for a while, but the guy's owned it for a long time, and but there's no debt on it. Mm-hmm. Well, now what's the business going to look like when I have to buy it, and I have to put the stress of the purchase debt into the, the business? Can it make money? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, then we'll eliminate, you know, people in those realities. Yeah, that's a, often a uh, budget line that people don't necessarily uh, immediately think of. You still have to pay the debt. You still have to pay the debt. Um, The other thing that people, uh, when they're starting a business or maybe purchasing a business, is, uh, you know, maybe the project is going to cost a couple hundred thousand dollars, um, but they they don't understand the difference between profitability and cash flow. And that's a that's a very important thing that they need to learn about. They might be three, four, or five months into the, the business, and it seems to be profitable on paper, but God dang it, they don't have any money left. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's typical 
you know, poor planning. We, we help try and plan ahead for that, uh, get these people well capitalized, get them set up with a credit line so that they can weather the, the ebbs and tides of the business. Uh, cash flow is something that people also don't think about often. Uh, first of all, where is the Small Business Development Center? We are on Career Avenue. It's 2329 North Career Avenue. It is uh, very close to the Southeast Technical Institute. We're in a building called the Zeal Building, um, and that is on the west side of the road. Great big orange logo on it. And, and uh, Zeal was a form, that's the new name for essentially, it's an incubator, right? It's a small business incubator, exactly yeah. right. And so there, you have offices there, and there are people who work out of there maybe for a time or just come to you for advice or what have you. Uh, yeah, I mean, our, our office, you know, is primarily designed to serve clients coming in that want to start, operate, buy, sell a business. Um, but there's a lot of new business, you know, and a lot of these guys uh, may come in and visit with us, and they need a small place to get set up and mm-hmm. kind of get the wheels moving. And that's kind of what that Zeal building is like. It's just kind of like a little mini-tenant um, deal for small upcoming businesses and you know they're they can stay there for you know a certain period of time and you know they either have to be able to swim on their own after a mm-hmm. certain amount of time and move on um, or they they end it I guess yeah so where, where <coughs> does me. your funding come from I you know what how do you guys operate we operate we operate on a fund uh, from the governor's office of economic development and the small business administration so state and federal money backing Correct. you up there Correct. Um, uh, how many people are working uh, in this place? I mean, not yeah. just the Zeal Center, but with the Small Business Development Center. Well, the Small Business Development Center, in, in our uh, deal, there's, there's five of us. Um, within the whole program, you've got Manufacturing Technology Solutions. Uh, I think there's three or four in there. Uh, that is kind of designed so, you know, let's say you have a manufacturing business and you want to make it more streamlined, you want to make it more efficient. Maybe you're thinking about looking at robotics. You know, they've got a whole department that streamlines manufacturing. So um, uh, it's out by Southeast Tech. Yes. Um, and it's uh, since changing to Zeal, that's probably a, a year ago or an hour or so, right? I believe it's, that. no, it, it, I believe they've been there quite a while. Well, I know um, the place has been there, but the, the name Zeal, oh, that yeah. was all part of the change. I can't remember what it was called before. You know, I, <laughs> I, I can't help you with that. I, I've, I've been involved with it for nine months now. And, yep. um, I'm and, not but sure I, should, I should be able to remember, and I just can't. So that's okay. Um, the, but the, the state of small business, in this, is, uh, we always hear that small business is where the jobs are developed. That's where the, the, the backbone of, of our economy lies in our community. Um, what, what's your, now that you've been in this for a while and you've been in business for a long time, what is sort of the state of small business in our community? Hmm. Um, I think there's still opportunity out there. Uh, I think you have to be better prepared. Uh, when we started 30 years ago, kind of done on a wing and a prayer and you know you could you could kind of get away with it back then but now in this competitive market you've got uh markets coming at you that we never had to deal with i mean you know basically the internet mm-hmm. and uh, you really have to have it polished is is it um are we in a place where the I remember I had an expert on not so long ago uh, that had done a big nationwide study that talked about the growth of the the kind of mid-range businesses. And these weren't small businesses by any means. We're talking about places with 
$5 million a year in revenue to $10 million, I think is what it was. And that's where all the job creation was coming from. Not that all, that's where all the jobs were, but the creation was coming from. And I'm wondering if we're not seeing that here where it's not necessarily growth of small business that's creating jobs or big business that's creating jobs. It's that middle sector, which is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, well, I don't know if I disagree with that. Um, you know, there's always talk that the small businesses are are, are are the large share of the growth. But you got to remember that a large percentage of these new ventures that start fail. And um, but behind them, there's always another fresh crop of people that want to try it. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm, I'm I'm wondering how much of that plays into that that number. The entrepreneurial spirit is still alive. <coughs> you know, people still want to or think they can be their own boss. Right. That's still a, a, a real force in our community. Absolutely. And people, when they come in, everybody has that dream. You know, I was very fortunate to. My partner and I, Jay Dodge, we bought this business out of bankruptcy, uh, expanded it, moved it twice. We ended up building and owning, uh, you know, a very nice property. Um, and I wanted to help people achieve what we achieved. Um, Sun and Fun's still going. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And it's on 41st Street. That right. was you built that building. We built that building about uh, about 12 years ago already, and they're you know right in front of Shopco. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was this big empty parking lot essentially, where Shopco didn't need nearly as much parking as they used to. You know, nationally they were selling off a lot of the uh, extra real estate, the outlots in, in front of their property, and we were lucky enough to get that one. It's kind of strange how that has happened in other places. I think about what used to be Kmart's now High V. Right. That used to be just this huge parking lot, and you know now there's a strip mall in there, yeah. and, a, and a paint store, and a you know, and a, a gas station. I do worry about you know retail as a whole from time to time. You know, it just happened to be out in Rapid City the other day, and I'm looking at, you know, I'd never driven around Rapid City very much, so I got in the car and explored. And I could not believe the amount of retail space that was available out there. You know, with the recent closing of Sears, you got a mm-hmm. Toys R Us. There was a Boston sports bar that was empty. And you, you, you just, the vacancies were amazing. Yeah. You know, in Sioux Falls, we don't really have that yet. Um, we've had a couple of, you know, major losses, you know, with the yeah. Hobby Lobby and Sioux Falls Forward is moving. But, you know, I, I think those are moves. Up. Yeah, know? those are moves. But, yep. you know, it does leave a vacancy at the Ford yeah. spot, and that'll, that'll fill up. Oh, yeah, yeah especially uh, that one. Yeah. Um, we're talking with Jay. I'm sorry, Jay. I was thinking of Jay Dodge, your former partner. That's right. Jim Whitcomb, he is, the, he is a small business. He's a business advisor with the South Dakota Small Business Development Center. We're going to come back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters and talk more about the challenges of small business and what the future looks like and and where there are opportunities. So stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. As promised, a little more Irish rebel music. That's all you do by the Wolf Tones, who I saw in Sioux Falls many years ago. Awesome, awesome Irish group. Uh, we are talking with uh, Jim Whitcomb, who's with the South Dakota Small Business uh, Development Center, and he is a business advisor with that organization, which is state, state and federal funded, and it's there to help people start small businesses and maintain small businesses. And uh, Jim, you 
were the owner partner with uh, Jay Dodge in the in Sun and Fun for 30 years. Is that how long you owned? 30 Thir- years. We. There you go. Excuse me, I better That's grab right. the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yep, this 30 uh-huh. years you owned Sun and Fun. 30 short years. I, we actually uh, Jay and I worked for the. Uh, founder of that store for 15 years before we owned it. So, I mean, I'd been doing it for, you know, about 40, 45 years. That store is that old. I didn't, I, you well, know, I guess I can't remember when it wasn't around. Well, Dennis Fink was the guy's name that, that started it. And he's actually the guy that, that really started Great Bear Ski Valley. And, um, well, we'd work for him since we were kids, you know, and all through college. And um, he actually, and... Uh, he pulled money out of the store to, you know, do some expanding on the, on the, on the ski area. Oh. And he ended up running into some difficulty and, um, but he was still able to keep that store open and operating for, I think another 10 years after he, uh, left, uh, Great Bear. Um, and then after that, it, it was just, it was too saddled with debt. And, uh, um, so Jay and I basically bought the assets of the business from the bank, um, Started it over. Uh, where where was the original Sun and Fun? It was down on Eighth and Main in the old Dane Bosworth building. Wow, it used to be called the Great Bear Ski Shop. Really? Yeah, that's where I bought my first pair of ski boots from from Jay. <laughs> um, and to, did you to go skiing at Great Bear? Or was oh you, yeah yeah that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, back in the days when they had rope toes and the snow guns looked like, uh, I mean it was oh it was. It, there was an air hose and a water hose and it just shot through a nozzle and you know you blew mist up into the air and that's how you made snow back then and yeah. um, it, it worked, worked kind of yeah it worked it worked it was it was it was wetter snow so it was really icy and yeah. you know people it gave that ski area the worst reputation on the planet you know just because <laughs> the snow i mean you could bounce rifle bullets off it at that time <laughs> um now the equipment they have out there is state of the art mm-hmm. it is uh the snow is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it's not a mountain, but it's well, good yeah, snow it's, on what you got. It's right? two minutes up. It's thirty seconds down, yep. and it, it's you know it's not like skiing veil, but it keeps you polished up until you get there. So. The other thing that developed in, for you uh, was snowboarding. That was had to be a huge game changer for you. Did you see as a business? Did you guys see that coming and say? We, we have to be all in on snowboards. Well, uh, we put our toe in the water. Um, at first, you know, because we didn't, uh, there was a lot of animosity between mm-hmm. skiers and snowboarders. and But at the time, what was going on, uh, skiing as an industry really was dying. I mean, it was really slowing down. And, well, all of a sudden, here comes the crazy snowboarders, you know, and they got mohawks and green hair. And, <laughs> um, but, you know, and at the time, I suppose there was probably about 12, 15 of them out at the Great Bear. But, you know the 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 skiers and the snowboarders were, were were hissing and spitting at each other and calling each other names, riding up and down the lift. And anyway, everybody finally figured out a way to get get along. But we could see it as a trend, mm-hmm. you know, developing. And um, we did. We went all in. And um, uh, I ended up assembling a group of about uh, two hundred of these guys. Um, and I bought uh, like five six hundred hay, hay bales. And we got them all together out at the Great Bear, and we lined them all up um, before they started making snow. So we, we basically built two ridges mm-hmm. and then had the guys, uh, you know, blow snow over the top of it. So we could all go out there as a group of, you know, 100 guys out there with shovels and rakes and build this half pipe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just 
they they loved it, and uh, you know our business really exploded with the snowboarding you uh, know, because was, of that. Was that the uh, other than making the decision to go into business at all? Was that the the smartest business decision you made, or what was it? Oh, what I mean, as far as just what's the best decision you ever made as a business that you didn't you, you weren't sure was going to work? Oh well, that I'd have to. That's that's an easy one. The uh, I suppose Jay and I had owned the store for two years, and the owner of the ski area at that time uh, walks into the store and goes, "Jim, Jay, how's it going?" We look at him. We go, "Okay," and he goes, "Well, how's the shop going?" And we looked at him and we go, "Not too bad." <laughs> <laughs> waiting for the hammer to drop here yeah. well um he's got a big box full of stuff and he plops it down in front of the desk and he goes well that's good here's here's the keys of the great bear um <laughs> you figure out a way to keep this thing open because i got a guy coming up from sioux city he's going to buy the chairlift for scrap in 60 days oh wow this is in october we got a whole store full of stuff <laughs> yeah so anyway um jay and i you know we have pretty interesting clientele in that store and you get to know everybody in town and as it turns out we knew just the right people and we surrounded ourselves with the smartest guys we could find and um we we figured out a way to get the city to buy the ski area and the way we did it was uh we went out and did a fun drive and we raised two hundred and thirty thousand dollars we donated it to the city so they could buy the Mm. ski area from the owner at that time oh and I didn't know that's how that came down. That's how that worked. And, you know, we I had to manage it for like two years um, and did so quite horribly. <laughs> but it's hard to be, be two places at once. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a Band-Aid fix until we could find the right operator. Um, and we did. Dan Greider is the mm-hmm. operator now, and he's taken that thing to a, you know, it's, it's a well-oiled machine. He's... He's a great manager. Um, but you needed that place for your business. Well, absolutely. See, now, in addition to that, we got really busy doing a um, chamber-sponsored fund drive. Um, we were able to raise uh, $1.2 million, and then the city matched that. Um, and that money was used to improve the ski area to the condition that you see it today. Mm. Um, so that's that's really kind of how that happened. And it's been a really great partnership between uh you know, private business and, and, and the park department. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, and now, I mean, clearly there's a lot of people selling snowboards today. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can buy them all over the place. You and know, skis. Ski- I mean, skis are still a deal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well actually skiing, I, I think is coming back. You know, it's, it's kind of funny watching these industries come and go, mm-hmm. uh, uh, snowboarding really. I mean, they've hit the top of the bell curve about three, four years ago and they're on their way down. And now skis are coming back, hmm, and interesting. it'll it'll go back and forth like that. And we watched the same thing. We were the first guys in Sioux Falls that sold rollerblades. <laughs> well, that's right. And we used to sell those things by the semi load. It was on, we sold we actually sold more of those than um, I think we were one of the busiest stores in the United States at one time. It wow. was unbelievable. And that's hard, you know. You gotta <clears throat> when you see something like that to go all in. Oh well, and no, my partner he. 
he pulled that one out of the sky. I don't know how he figured that'd be a good deal, but he hit it on the head. And, uh, you know, we would literally unload these things by the truckload, and we'd have them lined up all over the store, and we'd just walk around and stick people's names on them and call them, and, hey, your skates are here. And, you wow. know, it was it was great. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we're going to come back with Jim Whitcomb. He's a business advisor with the South Dakota Small Business Development Center, and uh, he's going to tell how you can turn his experience into your experience. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. I sat within the valley green. I sat me with my true love. My sad heart strove the two between the old love and the new love. Oh, it's a fabulous song. It's Clancy Brothers' Wind the Chicks the Barley. Yeah, just Go on YouTube and listen to it, people. You'll you'll love it. Uh, we're continuing our conversation with Jim Whitcomb. He is a business advisor with the South Dakota Small Business Development Center. And we just finished hearing his origin story, which is fantastic. Uh, 30 years running uh, with partner Jay Dodge Sun and Fun, which is a... Uh, you know, we, we, did, we always talk about the uh, winter stuff. You had summer stuff. You did a lot of... Lot, all kinds of different outdoor sort of equipment uh, business. Um, but now you've taken that experience in being in small business and taken that to this small business development center where you help people navigate. Is it navigate starting a business? How do you characterize that in terms of when you when somebody comes in there, what's the first question you ask them? I don't know if I'm, you know, start hitting them with questions right away. I mean, the, the first thing I'd just like to do is talk to them. Just sit down and talk to them for 15, 20 minutes and just kind of feel them out you know i mean you can tell a lot talking to people just to see if they have what it takes to run a small business and um you know yet you have to illuminate them to the idea of uh you know there's going to be times when you think you're getting a paycheck and well too bad i got to pay a sales tax bill and i got payroll to make uh for for my guys Mm -hmm. and uh you know you've got to be able to make those those tough choices and decisions and um but people uh you know, that come in and they want to start a new business, they really don't know really what questions to ask. Um, But it varies from client to client. Um, You can tell the ones that are going to succeed right away because they've been thinking about this. They come in with a stack of notes. Uh, They've been doing their research. Uh, You know, they've got a pretty good idea of what all these costs are, and they've got a lot of them nailed down. You know, they may have forgotten a few things along the way, but you can tell they've been thinking about it. Um, it's the people that come in and they go, what kind of business should I start? Yeah, they just want to be a business, but they don't know. And I just go, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and some people will come in and, uh, you know, they may have an idea um, that, you know, when you're thinking about it by yourself on your way home, you know, you, you may think that the guy's crazy, but, you know, you you, you can't flat out say that somebody so i mean our job is to give these guys enough information or give them a long enough list of questions that once they've gone through that question list they may come to the realization themselves that maybe this being in business really isn't for me yeah you know Do and a, a lot of times you'll give people a homework list and you'll never see them again you got to be willing to put in the work. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you, is there a, uh, I think I hear people when they talk about wanting to start a business, 
often it's in sort of traditional retail sun and fun or you know whatever you happen to be in that seems to be a very difficult kind of business these days uh in terms of you talked earlier about the internet um and competition from all sides uh price pressure and everything else well when when people come in uh, where's the area where we aren't thinking of is it is it not traditional small business you know where if i'm if i want to focus and i know i want to be in business selling widgets is maybe not the thing to do in a in a you know in a strip mall somewhere well it's getting to be interesting times i i you know, if you take lar- or trips to some of the larger cities, you know, you, you, we were in Orlando a couple of years ago. We went walking around a mall. Mm-hmm. It was a ghost town. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think you are starting to see kind of a migration from the box store concept. Um, and I know a lot of these big box sorting goods stores are struggling. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, But I still think there is room for a smaller guy. He's just going to have to adjust his business model. Uh, when I left, I, uh, Jason Krause is the guy that bought our store from us. He, uh, they've changed that business model um, a lot. Uh, in the last two years, the vacuum has started on retail monpa stores. So those guys have done a really good job of converting at least half of their sales to online sales. Mm. And... Uh, um, you know, whenever you have a couple of guys that have run a store for 30 years and they leave, you know, there's always going to be a little bit of a vacuum. But yep. those guys, have, I think, have done a really great job of building it building it back and maintaining it. Um, can, I, 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 I think those guys are going to do great. Can I mean, that's that's an instance. But is that something that can be replicated? Do you think that small retail can compete online or is it? longer odds than it's ever been and if you want to be in business for yourself find something that's not that well outstanding question and i think what is going to change um you know it used to be you know the whole reason we built that store Mm -hmm. geez you know you find a really good piece of real estate somewhere um you know put this place in the hottest spot under the sun put a big sign on it and then i mean they're going to trip over you and drive right in and Buy whatever you got. Mm-hmm. Well, problem now is we've reached the point, click, and shoot internet sale deal. Mm-hmm. People don't go out and shop like they used to. Plus, um, the last couple of years we were there, you know, we've got all these cute phone programs now where, you know, they'll come walk in your store and, uh, you know, scan that North Face coat that, that you got hanging there. And, um, and then all of a sudden five stores come up and they go, hey, mm-hmm. Jim, we got this one for 89 mm-hmm. bucks right down the road. What do you want to do here? It's really easy. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, you, you you have to be able to complete on a national or on a, on a, on a global scale. You I have mean, to say I'll match that. You got to say I'll meet it or beat it. And, yep. uh, you know, if they can buy it for two bucks less down the road, they will. Doesn't matter if they've shopped there for thirty years or not. It's uh, it's just a new reality. So you have to make up for that by getting more aggressive with your web page. You know, when we first got our web page, it was a real basic, you know, kind of a do nothing page. You know, mm-hmm. informational more than anything else. But now, I mean, you really have to pay for Google optimization, and you know, yep. you got to you got to be gotta get aggressive. high level. If I need information and I want to start a business and I want to come and talk to Jim Whitcomb, what do I do? Well, you can um, reach me at uh, uh, my 
email address. It's jim.whitcomb at usd.edu. And you can look up the Small Business Development Center. Uh, it's at uh, just type that into your Google machine yep, and you'll Small get Business it. Development Center, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and it'll and pop right up. What's the website name or address? You guys have um, a website. sdbusinesshelp.com. There you go. We'll get you there. That's awesome. Jim Whitcomb, he's with the small South Dakota Small Business Development Center. I really appreciate you coming in. We'll have you back. Pat, it was great being here. We'll wrap up here in a minute on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And the Pogues at 4.58 on the Patrick Lally Show. Getting ready for the big parade tomorrow, 2 p.m. downtown. Be there, people. It's going to be a blast. On Monday, Greg Jameson, candidate for mayor, will be on the show. It's going to be a blast. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe. Love your neighbor. Slancha. Information 1000 KSOO.